Hello and welcome to another episode of the Our Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua, I'm your host, and today's episode is the final presentation from AgoraFest 2023. We had various speakers there talking on different topics ranging from self-sufficiency to uh, living off-grid and outside the system to natural health and wellness, all kinds of things like this. And this is the final one. So this one is Brandon Knight, and he talks about various aspects of natural health and alternative medicine, uh, more natural medicine, that kind of thing, as well as some other alternative perspectives on health and wellness. And this was a very good presentation. I really enjoyed it. It was well received. And so I am just going to turn it over to him and play that entire presentation for you for this episode. I'll close this out at the end, and then we'll get back into the regular Our Foundation Season 5 after this episode. So please enjoy. Thank you, Joshua. I want to apologize that we're running so late. Apparently, Joshua said it was all my fault. So here to take the blame so that we can move forward. That would be the best thing to do. But um, I guess the screen says there that I'm Brandon Knight. And uh, Joshua, if you'll hit the... I'm a certified health coach and trauma-informed life coach. And I have 25 years of experience in wellness and 15 years of experience in somatic and assault therapy. So let me explain some of those words to you because they might not make a lot of sense to you. They wouldn't make a lot of sense to me if I wasn't educated in that stuff. So... Um, what I am as a functional health coach. So let me describe the difference between functional medicine and what Western medicine is. So imagine if disease was a tree. The leaves would be the disease, it'd be the diagnosis. Let's take high blood pressure for example. So come into the doctor's office and they say, hey, you got high blood pressure. You know, we can tell by the readings. Here's a pill for that, here's a pill for stress in case you need it. Eat less salt and have a good day. So that's kind of how it would go. But a functional doctor, a functional medicine doctor would say, hey, let's look at the leaves uh, and that's fine, but let's look at the twigs and the branches underneath that start connecting it to the trunk. Let's look at your deficiencies. Maybe you have uh, less potassium, less magnesium. Maybe you have a deficiency there. Maybe you have a problem with cortisol. Maybe you have a problem with insulin resistance and a few other things that are uh, maybe stressing out the body and causing you to have high blood pressure. And if they're really knowledgeable about what they do, they may go into the actual trunk. They might look at uh, gene mutations then, like MTHFR or something like that that's causing your body not to not break down your B vitamins properly and say, hey, that's really affecting your nervous system. That might be why you're having high blood pressure. And look at how your body is doing things chemically. If they are really healing people, functional medicine doctors on a consistent basis are healing people over and over again, and they're really worth their salt, they know what they're doing really, they go into the root. They're going to two things, the root of all disease, typically, that I found, that I've studied under functional medicine doctors for the last 25 years. The people that are healing people will always go into two things, reducing tension they held in the body and toxins. So that's always the root of almost all disease. I can't tell you the amount of people that have come through my practice. I see about 120 people a month, and I have about a six-week wait list because the way that I approach this is the same that I've always learned to approach it. It's just simply detoxifying the body on a clinical level and having a discussion around trauma and tension held in the body and anxiety and how that's working out for you. Because as Michelle put it, a lot of the reason why we get sick is because of what we carry with us, more so than just mere biology. And so because I am a trauma-informed life coach and I have a good amount of experience in that, about 15 years of helping people heal, um, psychologically and emotionally, 
I have seen disease clear in people's bodies simply by doing emotional work and really getting to the bottom of what they're carrying in their nervous system. Your nervous system acts like a hard drive. It holds everything that's happened to you, especially from childhood on, right? And so what that means is you learn how to stuff it really good so you don't end up a puddle in the middle of croaker. But it's still happening to your system on a subconscious level, the tension that's held in the system, the nervous system resilience that's going to decline as you age and then everything that you're holding with you that you haven't dealt with and haven't turned around and really had a good laid out plan for, right, is going to start to show up as disease because the nervous system resilience can't hold back the amount of stress that that's putting on the body. And so I've seen that over and over and over again in my over two decades of being in this industry. So I'm gonna cover just a, a few things here that I think are very, very important as foundational points of wellness in the modern age um, that we haven't encountered before before we go into some of the other slides that go over, you know, just basic nutrients and minerals and what to really look for if you want to be healthy for the rest of your life. But I want to give you a perspective on this, right? So I did a talk not too long ago to Summit over the, the uh, connection between toxins and anxiety. And when I was through the talk, I think a lot of people left the talk kind of depressed because what they discovered is there's absolutely no getting away from toxins in our society. Unless you are on some kind of uh, section of land that's very large and really away from society, let's say like what Kenton has there with the Mennonite community. They have potential to avoid toxins and mass. But the rest of us who dip in and out of society, it's impossible for us to avoid them. If I was to pull up a map right now of the United States, and if I was to show you how many chemical dumping uh, sites there were throughout the entire United States, and I was to color them, it would take over the entire map you wouldn't be able to see the state lines. What we discovered in 1970 is that we could make a lot of money from chemicals. A lot. And so we have the technology to dig deeper than what we've ever been able to dig in the earth. And we have more technology to make chemicals than what we ever have been able to make in the history of humankind. And so you saw a significant increase in chemical production and chemical dumping in 1970. In 1915, 1960, it was not that way. Right? So we've all heard the story from Michelle and, and different people come up here that, hey, the people from World War II, the grandparents, great-grandparents, they live until they're 90, they drink some wine every night, smoke a cigar, they have their mind, they can drive, everything's great because we ate a lot different, but also because we didn't have exposure to a ton of toxins, right, in our, uh, in our society. In 1950, 1960, it was almost unheard of to have cancer. You had whole communities in America that didn't even know what cancer was. So why has it increased exponentially from then until now to one in three being inundated with cancer? What is the problem? Well, look at the charts, right? In 1970, you see a significant increase. And in 1980, everybody figured it out. Man, we can make money from this stuff. So you saw a complete, almost 90 degree angle of the chart go up in chemical production and chemical dumping. You know what else you saw that year go up? Obesity, the exact same way. Increase in cancer the exact same way. Increase in autoimmune the exact same way. Increase in gut dysfunction and gut dysbiosis the exact same way. And now you have babies born in mass with autoimmune. Tons of babies born with psoriasis, eczema, asthma, cancer, and ADHD and neurological disorders are all over the place. It's ridiculous. It's amazing how many kids are born with that now. How many parents from the millennial generation on 
have ADHD compared to 1950 and 1960. It is almost crickets in 1950 and 1960 compared to now. So you tell me the difference. All the data and the inference implies that it is toxins that has done this. Also, the way we eat. Michelle's presentation was very, very well informed. I was impressed with that. Also, the connection that she made with the emotional aspect of well-being and wellness. It is so important that during this time, while we're not in some kind of emergency preparedness state, while your electricity isn't down and you have to really uh, grope in the dark for things and really understand what it is to be self-sufficient, that you're gaining those, that awareness and those skills right now if you're training into that, that you prepare your body and fortify it, but also you fortify your emotional state, that you understand your preparedness mental state. That's very, very important because it will decide not only your health, but how you're able to respond to emergency. So you've got to mature emotionally. You've got to get in with somebody that really knows what they're talking about with trauma-informed therapy and emotions and re-educate yourself on it. Because what do we talk when we're young? If you don't have something crying, we're going to give you something to cry about, right? But it's exactly the opposite of how the human body and the emotional framework works. That all works in an opposite direction. When we're born, we're born from the womb, breathing the womb with our whole body. Wah! Right? The whole system gets engaged in getting that stuff out. And then you don't have it anymore. You don't just get over it, you get it out. Then you're good. Right? So you have to have a plan that's better around the emotional tank that you carry around with you. Otherwise, when an emergency situation happens, you're going to be snapping at everybody, you're not going to have your head, you're not going to be calm. Right? And the training you have is going to be harder and harder to implement. So, food for thought. Do your best to get in front of somebody that really understands that aspect. Because almost all of us in this room grew up with some kind of trauma. And I know everybody's parents are gyms. But that doesn't mean anything. Right? New parents can be at home taking care of a baby. You're stuck in the crib. You wake up from a nightmare. You get stuck in the, in the crib a little bit too long. Maybe they research on Google that they just need to cry it out. And they're done to take care of this child. And they don't know any better, right? That make the, demon, uh, the parents any kind of terrible people. But what happened in that instance is the child, right? The amigo come along and say, hey, this feels like it's killing us, right? So we're going to wrap the emotions around the event, embed it in the body, and now we might become codependent from it because we never want to be left alone again. So we might live with the parents too long, might feel like we're dying every time we break up with somebody, might choose partners that uh, compromise us because we feel insecure about being left alone. So just food for thought, there's a lot more in your past that's a little bit more complicated than how you're programmed right now, how we're all programmed, than what we've been led to believe. It's the same way with biological health too, because it benefits them for us to stay really, really under things. If you become sovereign, you become free, right? Full of strength emotionally, full of strength in your body and with your wellness. You become a whole individual then. It's hard to handle you. You're able to adapt. You've got nervous system resilience. You become a very, very independent force that can influence people around you, that can gather people around you. And you become 
stellar parts of communities, able to really give with your strength that you've developed. So there's kind of a vision, an outline of everything. I also want you to take into account the food. Very important that we all look at where we're getting our food from. Since 1950, we have lost 1% of our nutritive value out of our food per year. That's cumulative. That means we are eating food that is 70-something percent less nutritive than what it was in 1950. And we wonder why the vets of World War II can't just live until they're 90. Because they had much more nutritive food they were eating. They have a great foundation. So there's also something for thought. If you want more evidence on what I've discussed about emotions and body health, the connections are all there. Read The Body Keeps the Score uh, by a group of doctors. Read after Dr. Joe Dispenza. He even details exactly how and done clinical trials over how we, we hold emotion states in the body and with a lower vibration like fear or anger that we really concretize that it changes the way the cells signal in the body. It changes the way that the gut can actually operate. It changes the way which your microbiome can communicate. There's so much that it does to the system that's kind of ridiculous. So all the evidence is there. Just dig into it some. Let's continue. So I'm going to go today into optimal health. Well, what is optimal? So a good example would be if you go to a doctor's office, right, and you get your vitamin D checked. Well, a doctor would say, hey, vitamin D looks great. It's at 30 nanograms per deciliter. Everything's fine. But in actuality, if you do the research, what is optimal vitamin D levels is between 60 and 80 nanograms per deciliter. That's the level at which your body really starts to fight off cancer, where your body really starts to fight off disease properly. That's this rate at which your body starts to really coalesce into something that's really great. You start to feel good in your mood, start to improve your breathing with vitamin D. All the benefits of vitamin D start to really come to effect when it's at that level. But at 30 nanograms per liter, that's simply to show that you're still alive. And if it's tanked out below that, then it's almost an emergency situation. Let's get you some, an infusion of vitamin D. So optimal means that we are going for well beyond what the Western medical model views as okay. We're going for thriving. We're going for bountiful health, vibrancy. That's what we're going for. going. So the basis for essential nutrients. So let's go into this a little bit. So let me explain where I'm coming from with all of this, okay? So what we're doing is we're mimicking the old world diet that we had. So what we had was access to a lot of fish, right? We settled next to fresh water when we could. We were nomadic. Our body evolved for thousands of years on this kind of diet, right? We had a lot of leafy greens, a lot of heavy fiber in our diet. So we had a lot of magnesium-rich foods. We had a lot of fish oil. We had a lot of vitamin D because we stayed outside all the time and that vitamin D soaked into the skin really well, right? So we had those available to us. Another thing that we had was a wildflower diet. We'd go throughout the forest and the jungle wherever we were evolving next to, and we'd pluck things off the forest and jungle floor and we'd eat it. And if we grew anything, we'd, we'd eat it right out of our backyard or wherever we stayed and that had soil-based organisms on it, that had good bacteria that's now bleached and washed off when we sent our food to the supermarket. So we're missing all of that. And when we understood about fermentation, we fermented things for the winter to preserve them before we could invent refrigeration. 
And so we have really good juices sewing up our gut and curing leaky gut all the time. And the countries that mimic that old world diet the best have the healthiest colons in the world and also live to be the oldest in the world and per capita are the least obese. Let's look at Japan, South Korea, Eastern European bloc countries, right? COVID spread out from Wuhan and started killing off 2% of the population of these nations. And then it reached Japan and everybody thought, whoa, Japan's gonna get it. A bunch of elderly people there, they're basically stacked on top of each other, hard to social distance, right? But hardly anybody died. They're like, what is Japan doing? So they sent some researchers there immediately to find out what was happening. They just found out it's because they have really great colons. They have very young colons. They have some of the youngest colons in the world. And look at what's happening in their culture, right? Hardly any of them are obese unless they actually want to be, like sumo wrestlers. <laughs> have very good immune systems. You have Okinawa, which has the most amount of people that would be uh, 100 in the world or close to it. So the evidence is all there for what I'm talking about. When you mimic the old world diet, you start to really become a lot more vibrant and come into, into being. In fact, if someone walked into the store at, at Nutrition World, and you can hit it again, yeah, and said, hey, Brandon, I don't want to uh, take everything in the store to be healthy for the rest of my life. You know, so why don't you give me like your top four nutrients? What's going on? Like, like the stuff I can supplement with that we're missing out of our diet the most that actually needs supplementation that's hard to find and hard to grow in my backyard. Well, I'd say number one is fish oil. Just like Michelle said in the last presentation, we have a six to one ratio of omega sixes to omega threes. Do you know how hard it is to get that back to one to one? How much fish you'd have to eat? You'd almost have to get mercury poisoning to do it. Fish is way too inundated, just like I stated the toxins. We have 100,000 toxins in our environment right now that are inundating us in America. To give an example of how pervasive all that is, you have one toxin that's uh, inundating the entire country. That's glyphosate, right? Roundup, the weed killer. You go into Home Depot and there are stacks of it everywhere. You go, um, the municipal, uh, municipals use it. So say for instance, your state and local government, your city government all use Roundup to keep weed off the sidewalks. And then it's sprayed, of course, everywhere in the Midwest. And the problem with that chemical is that only one-sixth of it goes into the plant. Five-sixths of it runs off into the waterways. So it's running into the Mississippi so much that it's going up into the clouds and raining on us from east to west. So that's just one out of 100,000. It's impossible to avoid. 20,000 of those can't be filtered out of our waterways by municipal means. So Congo water, my God, you need it so bad. You, in order to be healthy in today's environment, you have, if you're not completely separated from society, you've got to detoxify with advanced carbon technology once every four to five years. You've got to, got to have clean water. Water is so inundated with so many terrible things. It's ridiculous. How many people flush their pills down the toilet? Imagine what you're drinking. When I distill my water at home, what's left in the distiller is brown gunk that stinks. You'll never drink tap water again if you ever distill it. It's terrible. It's awful. But back to my point, fish oil is extremely, extremely important, but it's really, really inundated with toxins, right? So we can't eat it all the time like we're supposed to. So this is one of those things that's really viable to supplement with. 
because they purify the fish oil. Now, once again, you have to go to a place that really knows what they're talking about and gets in the right brands because not all fish oil is created equal and not all of it's purified the same. Fortunately, we third-party test all of our stuff. It's very critical to what we do. We have over 18 practitioners on a two-city block campus, so we're doing things a little differently than everybody else. As a functional health coach, I see everybody from cancer to Lyme disease patients to ulcerative colitis to Crohn's. I'm seeing extremely hard diseases to cure in the Western medical model that we're clearing up like nobody's business, right? But we're doing it with clinical grade products that are really tested well and we're doing it through changing lifestyle, behavior, looking at the emotional thing. In other words, the whole picture, the whole being is what we address with those diseases. But it comes down to picking out the right products too when you have to supplement and this is one of those that's very important to do. One of the best ones, and I normally don't mention brands because it sounds like I'm selling one. I don't care if you buy anything from Nutrition World or wherever. I just want you to be healthy and well-informed and have a good plan. But I'll tell you with this, uh, one of the best on the market is Vital Planet that just came out. Absolutely amazing formula. Very well, well, well refined and purified. Does an excellent job of changing those, uh, those cholesterol numbers to be very healthy and shoring up the skin. Fish oil, you have to have it for the brain, for the eyes, for the skin, for the colon. Because our body is smart, it's intelligent. When we're exposed to um, nutrients for a long period of time where we evolve with them, then the body says, hey, this stuff is great. Why don't I start to mutate a little bit to start to accept more of this? And I'll develop processes off of it. And I'll do some really great things with it. And that's what we did with fish oil. So it's in omega-3s are in almost every aspect of who we are. A lot of diseases actually form because we don't have enough of this in our body. A 25-year white page study done by a group of doctors, right, stated that the number one reason why we have heart attack is because we have a lack of fish oil in our body or a lack of omega-3s in the fats. Number one reason. Does anybody know the number two reason for death worldwide? It's cancer. Cancer. Number three, guess what number three is? Over-medication. Let that sink in for a minute. You know, at the economic forum not too long ago, a Pfizer representative was there, and they laid out their plan, and they said their plan was to get everybody on medication. Not to cure people, to get people on medication. That's the reason why the Western medical model is broken, because it's based on money. If you're only healing symptoms and not curing a disease, what does that do? It gives you a lifetime customer. You just keep on coming back and do that symptoms tamp down, right? The problem with that is that the medication poison. Over time, it kills the body. It's petroleum-based. The Vandenbergers and the Rothschild split the, um, the patents for all medication that was experimented on the Jews with, uh, uh, in Nazi Hitler, uh, when Hitler developed these, and they took one portion to America, one portion to the UK, and that's the beginning of the Western medical industrial complex. Look up the history. And then they put all their money and their propaganda behind that type of medicine. And you know what they did simultaneously? They made sure and edged out all the homeopathic doctors at the same time. Made sure that homeopathic doctors and how they operated was outside of the insurance model so that patients can't get the kind of care that they want from those guys that have to be paid. It can only be paid through the Western Medical Industrial Complex. How is that for a monopoly? It's interesting, right? Next one. 
The thing that we had in our ancient diet was lots of magnesium, and it's probably one of the minerals that we miss the most in our bodies right now. It is utterly essential that you have magnesium. Magnesium, once again, is responsible for over 300 cofactors in the body it tries to do every day. Minerals are magic. Uh, we're heavily undermineralized, as I stated, because of the manufactured farming and the erosion of our topsoil. We are heavily undermineralized. I highly recommend you at least do magnesium up to about 350 milligrams every night before you go to sleep to short that because we cannot get enough of it back in our system if you're active at all. If you sweat every day, if you're active, if you exercise, you have got, you've got to have magnesium anyway. I've seen magnesium clear up all kinds of diseases just by itself. Magnesium is very, very important for your body and a foundational piece of our overall diet. Next. And I've discussed vitamin D a little bit, but as you can see here, um, it's one of the greatest mood regulators we have. Vitamin D isn't even a vitamin. It's actually a hormone. So when you take it, it has a cascading effect on the entire health of your body. It really helps you breathe better. It's one of the best mood regulator, regulators you have. In fact, because I work with patients for both biological problems and emotional problems, right? Vitamin D is one of those things I always prescribe to see if I can get them out of depression that way before they get on any kind of antidepressants. And about half the time, that actually works. After a couple months of taking high doses of vitamin D, people start to feel a lot better. Everybody doesn't know that vitamin D is pretty much tanked. We all work around that way. Let's see. Yeah, we're going. So let's talk about gut health. Because I mentioned that we fermented things for the winter, that we have soil-based organisms on our food, that kind of thing, right? So let's talk about how important that is. The structure of the gut looks something like this, right? So you have the outer layer of the gut, you have the middle layer of the gut, it's called the mucosal barrier. Then you have the villi, these hair-like strands that stick on top of it. Now in an ideal scenario, this is all together. Then food runs over this, then you get the chemical extraction and nutrition, goes in the cells, everybody's happy, okay? The problem is, this scenario right here that I just described basically doesn't exist in America because all it takes is stress to make this mucosal barrier recede. But other stuff do it too, antibiotic use, toxins, vaccines. I mean, almost everything you can think of, that mucosal barrier is very contentious. It'll roll back with almost anything. Now, in the old world diet, it was cool because we had postbiotics out of the fermented food that we had that would come in and cause this gut to close and stay closed even if that mucosal barrier receded. But in today's modern environment, because we don't have any of that in our diet, we think it's gross here in America, then because the barrier recedes, then the gut opens up just like a flower. Just like that. And of course, this is all microscopic. You don't have big holes in your gut like that. But now what happens is food runs over leaky gut and food particles leave, which is really bad because the body doesn't know what to do with food outside of the gut says, hey, that must be a pathogen, let's attack it. So it keeps on attacking it, but it doesn't die. And then it creates waves of inflammation, autoimmune, food sensitivities, that kind of thing, right? The other thing that happens in the food runs over this is compromised nutrition. You don't absorb as much when you have leaky gut. The last thing that happens is they're finally doing the research in Western medicine, but they found out that you have something in your gut called LPOs. LPOs is an acronym that I don't even have the audacity to try to pronounce, but 
It's a fatty-like substance that comes out of the gut, and as it comes out of the gut, it creates waves of inflammation throughout the gut, and they're leaking back 80% of our diseases to that scenario. LPOs leaving the gut and the leaking gut. And when it creates waves of inflammation long-term, it'll create cancer, advanced autoimmune, that kind of thing. So not that good for you at all. So it's very, very important that leaky gut gets shorn up. Well, the only way that it's going to happen is if you start to really take in postbiotics. You start to eat your fermented foods as the shell went over, right? You start to, uh, you, there's a product that we have at Nutrition World that I give to every single patient I have as a foundational product to really help the gut and systemically rebuild the system so that they can start to fight disease. It's called Ion Gut Support. It's a postbiotic. I can take a scenario that you get like this under a microscope and put one drop of, of ion gut support on that and it'll close it up real quick. Very, very important. It makes a humongous difference in the systemic health of a person. The other thing that we had was uh, soil-based organisms. Soil-based organisms are very important. So soil-based organisms are what they call spore probiotics. You might have seen those on the shelf before if you entered a health food store. The spore-based probiotics have a nice little coating around them and that protects them against heat, against cold, against even antibiotics, they'll survive against antibiotics. And what they do, they have a very important role. They lay dormant on all the surfaces of our food. We used to eat them three times a day. And what they do is they lay dormant in our esophagus, dormant through the stomach acid, right, where most of your other probiotics die. And then they hit the colon. The sporulite come alive and hit the colon. And when they do that, they start acting like special ops. They just edge out bad bacteria, recondition the gut as they go, make sure that good bacteria can grow, start to help with leaky gut. And they even cause your ancient strains you inherited from your mother to grow, which is very important because you can't peel those up. Your anchor strains, your ancient bifidus strains, those are very, very important to keep up. And it requires the right environment to make them grow. You can't just supplement to make those grow. So really important that you have both those things. So a summary is, get your vitamin D levels checked. It could cost as little as $35 at Nutrition World. If below 60 nanograms per deciliter, take vitamin D with K until it is raised sufficiently. Then lower the dose to around half of what you took to raise it as a maintenance. Take 300 milligrams or so of magnesium bisinglucinate every day. Magnesium bisinglucinate is the best form to take in my estimation for total body health. They have all kinds of different forms of magnesium out there that can use for different reasons. Magnesium citrate is really good to, to use in case you're constipated. Um, magnesium torate is really good for the heart. Magnesium bisoglycinate is good for total body health and for supplementing with on a daily basis. Find a good green powder supplement and take it daily to ensure the detoxification processes are working in the body. Add a little fiber to this if you can. The reason why I threw that in there is because in our old world diet, we mainly had fruit, leafy greens, and stuff like fish. And occasionally we would hunt whenever we got the, you know, the backbone to do it because if you got a broken leg back then, that was a destiny. So you didn't want to hunt big game unless you could help it. But we did. So get a good green powder in because what that starts is a lot of processes in the body. It'll start the P405 process in the liver. That's a, that's a process that isn't starting without leafy greens, right? And it decides how the liver actually breaks down nutrition and toxins and sends them in different directions in the body. You're already operating at a disadvantage if you don't have concentrated greens in your diet, then, right? And who here has concentrated greens every day, right? Hardly anybody, nobody. But there we go, one in the back, yay. So we're missing this stuff, guys, is what I'm talking about. And we wonder why we're so disease-ridden. It's very interesting.
And the last, take a postbiotic and a well-researched spore probiotic every day to maintain gut health. I've already covered that a little bit. But that's your four main nutrients that are huge, that mimic the old world diet that you need to supplement with or be able to look out with uh, how you're doing homesteading and growing your own food if you're getting into that and you're really doing it, you need to make sure that you're including foods that have this stuff in it, right? This mimics our old world diet. Next. So let's talk about exercise a little bit. So exercise, you can actually go a long way with just intensive body workouts. That helps the body detoxify. It raises your cellular energy. So let's talk about cellular energy. It's very important because that's a concept that a lot of Western medicine doesn't talk about at all. So your cellular energy, when I'm talking about that, is it, you can look it up and research it's called metabolic health. Metabolic health is very important. I believe it's the future of health. It's the way in which you can actually reverse aging, right, is one of the ways. So when I talk about cellular health, what I'm mainly talking about is awareness around mitochondria. Mitochondria are the powerhouses of energy in all your cells, okay? Now, if you have a low mitochondria count, or in other words, if the mitochondria is suffering or they're not doing well, then what's going to happen is you literally don't have the energy to fight off disease, to detoxify, to prevent cancer, you know, those kind of things. I have clients of mine that did everything right, ate amazing, impeccably, worked out in shape, really, really great, but they encountered some toxins, mitochondrial health went the way of the dodo, and then they developed cancer at the age of 40 or 50. Right? So you can do everything right, but as I stated this whole time, toxins are really, really prolific now. We're the most toxic human beings that have ever lived, and you can take that both ways. So in body, we are extremely toxic. This is one of the reasons why autism and ADHD is on the rise so much, because when a woman gets pregnant, the body innately views it as a parasite. And when it does, it dumps all the toxins into the baby, and then it's born. Now, before, this wasn't a big problem, but in today's world where we're so toxic, it's huge. And then you give that baby a litany of, of vaccines when it comes out, like 10 to 20 vaccines, and it sends the system over the edge, you can't take it anymore. And then the baby becomes autistic, Asperger's leaning, ADHD develops and forms, gene mutations happen like MTHFR, which is very important, right? The more we sweat, the more we move the body, the more we increase, increase blood flow, the more it makes your mitochondria, the powerhouses of energy that I've been mentioning, rise. And as they rise, also fasting does this. So fasting, as Kenton had, had uh, so eloquently put in his, in his uh, presentation, fasting is so important. It can heal the body from top to bottom. You know why? Because fasting allows everything to rest in the system, first of all, but also it causes your mitochondria to skyrocket. Your mitochondria, the powerhouses of energy in your cells that allow you to have the energy to fight off disease and to detoxify and fight off cancer, go off the roof whenever you start to fast or whenever you start to exercise, it also increases them. Very important foundational aspect of health. You've got to be aware of what your cellular health is, right? So the, to give you an example, right? So, so let's break it down how it actually works in case some people are like, mitochondria is kind of vague. So uh, let's say you get an infection. So bacteria happens in the body. And the body's like, whoa, ring the alarm bells, infection, so let's produce more white blood cells, increase blood flow, 
Let's start a biochemical reaction to inflame the area. Let's open up cellular passageways to release enzymes to break down some detritus. Okay? But if you have very low mitochondria and a lot of toxins in the body and you're stressed out and several things are going on at once in your system like that, then the body's like, whoa, you know, time to produce white blood cells, but I don't have the energy to produce as many as what we need, right? Compromised blood flow because we don't have the energy for that. You might not even have the energy to produce the enzymes from the cellular passageways to break down detritus. And if you do get a biochemical reaction and inflammation, it'll be an overcorrection. You might get too much inflammation out of it because the body's having to ramp up to do it because it doesn't have the energy from the mitochondria that's needed, right? So very important that your mitochondria stay high, fasting, exercise, eating uh, nutrient-rich food. I believe that what Michelle outlined is excellent as a diet, absolutely amazing. Something that needs to be really well sussed out in research and see if it's good for you. Really great stuff. In fact, that's how I actually uh, counsel a lot of my clients to eat during times that they have some very nefarious diseases. Next. Yeah, so let's go into food a little bit. So on the screen, I have pro-inflammatory foods. So let's look at that for a minute. You have refined grains and flour products. You have deep fried foods and processed foods. You have eggs, dairy, and fast food. Refined carbohydrates, sugar and sodas. Most commercial salad dressings. Margarine, trans fats, unhealthy oils such as corn and sunflower oil and soy, and artificial sweeteners. So I know that at least half the people in this room consume quite a few of these off this list, right? I mean, I know I've had sugar this week. It's part of the lifestyle of being in this society. I just want you to be cognizant of the fact that you are literally putting disease into your body because disease can be defined at a base level as inflammation. At least over inundation of inflammation in the body. Inflammation in itself is a correction that the body tries to do to fight off disease. But when you get too much in there, that's a problem. And these foods encourage way too much inflammation. So you're literally encouraging disease with these foods. Next slide. So these are anti-inflammatory foods. Grass and pasture-fed meats, lemons, limes, and berries, turmeric, avocado and avocado oil, bone broth and vegetable broth, green tea, non-starchy vegetables, your cruciferous vegetables, your squashes, your organic extra virgin olive oil. Olive oil is one of the most important fats you can put in the body outside of omega-3s. Olive oil is amazing but you can't get the fake brands that they sell at the supermarket. Bragg's is a really good brand of olive oil that's real. They have the polyphenols. It has everything that's necessary for it to really take hold in the body and see the benefits. Ed Jones, the owner of Nutrition World, where I work, has been in health for over 40 years. He is unbelievably healthy. Almost everything that he, uh, he's 62 years old, and he wins bodybuilding competitions, and his blood work comes back impeccable all the time. Absolutely paragon of the an example of the work that, that we do there, right? But he takes olive oil with him everywhere he goes, and he puts it on everything. He takes it to restaurants, he has bottles at home, he puts it on everything, and it improves eyesight, improves brain function, improves heart health, improves bone health, the list goes on and on. But healthy fats are extremely important. 
Apple cider vinegar. If you're not familiar with apple cider vinegar, get familiar. It's an amazing product. It does so many things in the system, it's kind of ridiculous. Coconut oil, butter, milk, and flakes. Do not believe for a moment that butter's bad for you. It is not. That's a lie. Especially grass-finished butter. Homemade butter. That stuff is amazing for you. It seals up the gut. It's absolutely amazing for the brain. Really, really great stuff. And it's anti-inflammatory. Basil, thyme, oregano, rosemary, sage, garlic, onions and chives and fermented vegetables. These are all anti-inflammatory foods. These are the foods that fight disease, right? And these are the foods that are really not readily available to any of us here in America that, get, that, um, that need it in a way that is convenient. You have to kind of work to get these and include them in your diet. You have to make it a point to do so. It's not like you can drive through McDonald's and grab a meal full of these things, right? So it requires planning. It requires that we discipline ourselves and actually do this. Go ahead. So let's go back to the mental health outlook because I believe that that's so important and I work with it. I've worked, I've been a gestalt somatic therapist for over 10 years. I was trained by some really great psychologists for that in Atlanta for a good five years. Just really amazing at what it does. When I say gestalt and somatic therapy, that is a form of therapy where we actually deal with um, where your emotions are stored, not where you process them in your mind. Because they're stored in the body. You have to have a body response with emotions, whether that be running and meditating, like forward movement, or whether that be have, allowing yourself to have like a um, snot bubble kind of fetal position shaking cry to get that stuff out, and then you can just move on, right? So there's a process to handling and dealing with emotions that is very well laid out in somatic and gestalt therapy. It deals with that aspect so you don't re-traumatize yourself through that so you can actually get rid of the stuff and not have it anymore. Because the reason why anxiety and depression are so rampant is because we have shut down the grieving process in society. So that time that you come out of the womb and you use your whole body to grieve, living in such a connected place, and you come out to a place that's cold and distant, and you need people to actually surround you for warmth now, outside of the mother's womb, we grieve losing that warmth, that care that we had in the mother's womb. So we grieve with our whole body. That's probably one of the last times you'll ever grieve with your whole body. It gets shut down quick. If I'm not comfortable with my emotions, I'm certainly not going to be comfortable with somebody else having their deal with their emotions. So as a parent, I'm going to say, hey, that's enough crying for now, man. Just calm it down. Get over that. You know, or whatever. Right? So we're trained not to grieve. You have to flex that muscle and learn how to flex it again. You have to learn how to grieve what's inside. There's a process of that. It really requires a practitioner to guide you through it who's very comfortable with it and been through the process themselves. I had to go through that process for over five years and heal myself in order to be able to handle other people's emotions and guide them through it too, right? Can't just walk up and start doing it. You don't feel comfortable enough to do it. No place is safe to do it. We're all invalidated over our emotions. And it's one of the reasons why we carry them with us and why they create disease, right? But if you get them out, they won't do that anymore. There's a process to it. So look up somatic therapy. Dr. Peter Levine is amazing. His books are wonderful. He's really helped people with PTSD, with trauma from war, all kinds of stuff. He's a master at it. He's unbelievable. Gestalt therapy, it is by Dr. Gestalt. He actually went through in World War II, uh, I believe it was World War II, and he would go, before people understood what shell shock was, 
and PTSD from war, he was actually healing um, vets of that in the tents where they were laying after being injured through his uh, methods. His salt therapy is amazing for it. But you've got to have a well-informed plan around what you carry and start to become cognizant of that, right? Because anxiety and depression happen because we are playing whack-a-mole with our mind and holding down emotions that we carry with us. And what happens to those emotions is they bubble up to the surface and they create anxiety over and over and over again. If you can deal with what's in here in a way that actually releases them and gets them out, then you won't have anxiety anymore. You're gone. So just food for thought. Um, one of the things I want to cover is hope. So at the last sentence there, I said, uh, well, let's, let's do this. One quote I have here is, we can survive three weeks without food, three hours exposed to the elements, three days without water, but we will not live three seconds without hope. So think about that for a minute. It's not necessarily a psychological fact, but if you are facing a disease or an emergency preparedness situation that has to have unwavering hope, that you will make it through this. You'll die. You let fear overtake you, you let panic overtake you, you're going to not make it. So you have to have hope. Hope is extremely important. And I'm not talking about necessarily having expectations that everything's gonna be hunky-dory, and that you're not gonna hit hard times, but you've got to have hope. So that applies to emergency preparedness, it applies to fighting disease. If you contract a disease, if you get cancer, if you get ulcer colitis, if you get uh, Crohn's, these debilitating, awful autoimmune diseases, right, and you lose hope, it will take you under. So you've got to maintain unwavering hope during that time as much as you can. Focus on what you can that brings you hope, that brings you happiness. Create the mindset and the focus properly. Doing the internal work with those trained to challenge your programming and erroneous limiting beliefs is essential to overcoming disease or anything else for that matter, in my personal opinion, as I've discussed, right? In fact, a lot of my cancer patients and my Crohn's patients especially, we do counseling on top of what we do for a protocol as far as supplementation and lifestyle change. You have to if you get that deep into it. Otherwise, you just have a recurrence. It'll be very hard to get out of, right? Because there is a big emotional component to it that's influencing everything. Hope and a well-informed plan will give you your health and allow you to overcome anything. I firmly believe that. If you have a very well-informed plan that has been proven to work and you mix that with hope, there isn't much you can't overcome. Next. Okay, here we go. All done. So that was the end of the presentation from Brandon Knight from Agorafest 2023. I hope you really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening. As we get back into the swing of things in the next episode, we'll get back into season five of this podcast, Our Foundations, and get back to the Sermon on the Mount, talking about various aspects of uh, the Beatitudes, I believe is where we left off. And we'll pick right back up there and just continue on from there. So... 
Without further ado, thank you very much to all of you listeners out there. And thank you especially to Patreon supporters and people that are financially supporting the podcast and paying for all the things that need to be paid for here. I really appreciate that. And I definitely appreciate it if you take time to leave a rating and or a review. That is extremely helpful as well for the show. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything at all, feel free to reach out. The best way is at ourfoundations at protonmail.com. All of that is in the show notes as well. So check that out if you're interested. And until next time, I'm out. Peace. This has been Our Foundations Podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye.